0: Josh Connerly Jr. is a big-time recruit for Oregon football and new head coach Dan Lanning and the staff. But just why is the five-star offensive lineman such a significant get in the class of 2022 and beyond? We look at that, plus Oregon basketball. Not entirely sure what the roster will look like next season for Dana Altman's squad, but an idea about where we could stand with some guys and how much eligibility they've got coming up today on Locked on Ducks. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view every day. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single Weekday, like and subscribe wherever you are listening to and or watching the show right now. Appreciate that. Five star views on Apple podcast. Nice comments on YouTube or on Apple podcast or Spotify. Always appreciate seeing all of that good stuff here on the show. And we're back once again today. Bloodshot left eye and all. I don't even know. I, I don't even know. I give up trying to trying to explain this sort of stuff. I played golf today because, of course, I did. But it wasn't even that windy, so I don't know what's irritating my eye. But if you're watching on YouTube, um, really both of them kind of look a little, a little bit red. The left one in particular, though. But you know what's not in the red, metaphorically speaking? Oregon recruiting at the moment. Because Dan Lanning and company, and got to give a shout-out to Adrian Clem, the offensive line coach as well. Landed Josh Connerly Jr., the five-star offensive lineman, number two, pass blocker or run blocker depending on how you think about offensive linemen first in the class of 2022 top 20 overall recruit boosts oregon's class up into the top 15 or top 20 nationally depending on where you look number one in the pac 12 for the fourth year in a row and this drew a lot of attention right i mean there have been a number of recruits who committed this cycle and last cycle who are noteworthy and you kind of have an idea of boy he's going to be Probably a big time player, right? Justin Flo was like that. And sadly, we didn't get to see a lot of him last year. There are a lot of what ifs in Oregon sports, and it's a relatively minor one compared to the others. Like what if Chris Boucher's knee is healthy or what if Dyer is called down or you know, what if Oregon's receivers are healthy in the 2015 National Championship game? A lot of what ifs. But another one that I always think of is what does the defense look like this past year if Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, and Kayvon Thibodeau are healthy all season long? Because those are NFL caliber players and they are big, big time playmakers. And so when whenever Oregon football gets a recruit like that, of course, we're going to talk about him here on the pod because there can be a lot of ramifications there. And that's exactly the case with, with Josh Connerly Jr. So. Why is this such a big commitment? That's the question that we're going to answer today here on the show. First of all, he's class of 2022 and has the potential to be an anchor style player on the offensive line. He's the highest rated offensive lineman to ever commit to the ducks. Yes. Higher than Penae Sewell, who was actually a highly rated four star. He was not a five star prospect, but he certainly played like one while he was at Oregon. But Oregon's had a couple of offensive line transfers recently with uh, with Jeffers and Dennis leaving the program. So depth is a good thing to have for the immediate future. But looking long term here, this is a guy who is athletic enough and strong enough and agile enough to play tackle on either side. I think he'll probably slide in at left tackle once he starts becoming a regular starter for the Ducks. And having that sort of anchor, that leader on the offensive line is critical. If you think back to the 2018 football season, not 2019 when Oregon went to the Rose Bowl, but 2018 when they went 8-4 and four in the regular season, had that crazy, awful loss to Stanford, the only home loss of the Mario Cristobal era. And then they, you know, beat Washington in one of the best moments of the Mario Curtis Ball era. And then the stumbles against Utah and Washington State, et cetera, beat Michigan State in the Red Box Bowl seven to six. Um, I can't believe that's a real score. I, I still cannot. One thing to note for that season: when the Oregon offense went on the road and was struggling, Panay Sewell was not playing in those games. Arizona was the same thing. He might have been back for that one, but when Panay was there, Oregon was a different football team. Having that anchor on your offensive line to supplement the run game and give your quarterback that confidence in the pocket to step back there and trust his offensive line protection is going to hold up, that's all massive, massive stuff. And Kelvin, or not Kelvin Banks, that's the five-star that Oregon lost when Chris Ball went down to Miami. Josh Connerly, the guy we're talking about today and will be all week, is a guy who has the potential to be that sort of anchor on the offensive line. I think he will end up being uh, a left tackle. and. You know, that, that's another reason that it, it felt good to get him, frankly, is that Kelvin Banks was sort of that that guy in the class of 2022 for Oregon. He ends up going down to Texas after Mario left for Miami, and that's that's the state where he's from originally. So when you lose that, you're looking at it going, okay, you get Davey Uli. Yeah, that, that's nice. Four-star offensive lineman out of the state of Washington. That's That was a great get. Talked about that here on the pod back in – Uh, in the recruiting cycle and go back and listen if, if you want to hear all of that, but there was no, you know, sort of big time recruit on the offensive line or no anchor sort of player, but Josh Connelly slides in and is doing that. And he, I mean, the fact that he just has an overall composite rating that's higher than Sewell coming out of high school, I think is supremely telling because Sewell, I don't want to get too hyperbolic here. Could be the most dominant Oregon offensive lineman the Ducks have ever seen. I know in my lifetime he is. You can hop into the comments section on Apple Podcasts or especially on YouTube if you want to correct me there. But a guy who I think allowed one sack in three years and graded incredibly well and didn't hardly ever commit penalties. I think he committed literally like two or three penalties over the course of a couple years. And he was just unlike any other player. And Kelvin Banks... Having, you know, greater physical traits, according to the scattering reports than Panay Sewell, I think is is really, really telling. Now, if he were to be even 90% of the player Panay Sewell was, he'd be a great offensive lineman for Oregon, right? You know, coming out of high school, he's got the higher grade, but Panay Sewell's college career with the Ducks, man, that's that's a tough, tough thing to live up to. But he definitely gives those sorts of vibes being a, a two-sport athlete, pene Sula, a guy who can move really, really well. That's part of the reason he was so good at offensive tackle is his ability to to keep up with speed rushers, and he had great hands as well. Obviously, very strong and physical at the point of attack. Connerly, I think, needs to put on maybe a little bit of weight. He's six foot five and or six three, six three, six five, somewhere in there. He's only two hundred eighty three pounds, which is not necessarily huge. Right. It's not small. I mean, you wouldn't walk by him and go, oh, my gosh, that's not a very big guy. No, you would walk by him and go, that's probably one of the biggest humans I've ever seen in my entire life. And then you would remember that he's 18 years old and you would go, oh, right. I am a uh, I'm I'm very, very small. I'm very, very, very small. So I think that he he has the potential to become that sort of player. You know, he played basketball in high school. Panay Sewell was a good enough athlete where the, in, if you remember, the 2019 Pac-12 championship game, Oregon actually drew up a play to Panay Sewell in the red zone to try to get him a touchdown, and he made a great move, made a linebacker miss in space. Connerly is that sort of athlete, so that's why the comparisons are there, but they might not be, you know, I mean, Panay just ha- has a very, very, very high bar. There are more reasons Josh Connerly's a big commitment for the Ducks. I'll tell you after we talk about Bet Online, Your number one source for all your sports betting stats and sports info. All the latest developments, league reviews, and news, including basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting, playoffs, eSports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So the other reason that uh, among many, frankly, that, that Connerly is such a big time commit because he's a highly rated player. He's in this recruiting cycle. That's that's kind of the thing I want to focus on here. It's easy to forget sometimes that this Oregon staff got here like a week ago. I mean, I'm being hyperbolic there, of course, but they have not been in Eugene for a very long time. And so they were able to get, you know, I talked about a couple of names to look for going into national signing day: Jaleel Florence and Dave Uli and, and Trajan Williams and Jordan James. And I said, look, if Oregon can get two or three of these guys, I think they'd be doing really, really well. And then they got all of them, right? There weren't any big names. I, I don't think that Oregon was really, really close on that. That I talked about here on the show and was saying, boy, it'd be really nice Oregon can get this guy that the ducks ended up not getting. And so The fact that they were able to pull that off already had me feeling good. Like, I didn't need this to be confident in their recruiting prowess going forward. But then this came down the line, and it went up a notch for me. I mean, this was not something I expected at all. I thought he was going to go to USC, or I heard Michigan also had the inside track. Every school that he was looking at actually just had a coaching change, except for Michigan. So that's kind of why they had a, an advantage there. And, you know, Washington, new coach, USC, Oklahoma, Miami, Oregon, all new coaches this year. And so I thought it would be USC or Michigan. But that recent unofficial visit, whatever the Ducks coaching staff told him there and whatever he saw on campus, that put him over the top, and so I, I just look at what they have been able to do in such a short amount of time, bringing in quality players who will have an impact early in their careers on campus. Jordan James, if there are a couple injuries in front of him, could get a handful of touches as, uh, as a freshman running back. We'll kind of see how the running back room shapes out because they had Noah Whittington, of course, but Jaleel Florence could get some reps, Jaleel Tucker, Devin Jackson, Harrison Taggart. like There are a lot of guys who you might see from time to time this fall on the football field for Oregon. And so w- when I think about how they were able to bring this class together and add a headliner recruit like this to bolster the ranking, but also to bolster the roster and add depth at a position of need – I just start thinking about man, what could they do in a full recruiting cycle? I I mean they they have had literally a small handful of months. Other schools had a lot, lot more time to work on these sorts of guys. And Oregon was able to get a lot of quality, quality recruits highlighted by Josh Connolly Jr. So that's the first thing. Other thing is Remember the list of schools that I just read off that were going after him, right? It was not a handful of Pac-12 schools that have been struggling recruiting for the last several years. It was USC. It was Miami. We know what Cristobal and Mirabal can do recruiting offensive linemen. They have that reputation. That's their calling card. Connerly still chose Oregon. He didn't want to stay in his home state. He wanted to come to Oregon, Michigan, Oklahoma. I mean, these are big time schools. The sort of prospects that if Oregon is ever going to win a national championship, you have to bring in these sorts of players on a regular basis, meaning you have to be able to win these sorts of battles, show a potential to do that. And this staff Without even having been there for more than a handful of months, has already accomplished that, right? They sh- they have shown they can go toe to toe with some big time schools. They don't get all of them, right? Mitchell Lagude went to Miami, but Josh Connerly came to Oregon. I think that is a really really good good thing. The other the other note about Connerly here is. You know, the state of Oregon itself doesn't produce that many high-level recruits on a year-to-year basis. Oregon's had, you know, some good ones over the years. Uh, Dawson Jaramillo and his brother Bailey are both from Oregon. Tyson Coleman going back a ways. Uh, oh gosh, who else is from the from the state of Oregon? I mean, Justice Lowe, who just came in. Trajan Williams, four-star safety as well. So there haven't been that many. This was a pretty good year for Oregon football recruits, but... Washington produces more as, as a state at the high school football level. They produce more high caliber players than does Oregon. And I've talked about the importance of, you know, wanting to recruit your home state. And that's a sign of a healthy program. It absolutely is. But if you can dominate the region, right, you don't just get more good players to come down to your program because there's a bigger pool. When you factor in the Seattle and greater Washington area, you're also taking recruits away from from the Huskies who have not been, you know, what they were back in the nineties for sure, but are still capable of bringing it. I mean, they don't lack an entire commitment the way that, that some PAC 12 schools do, right? Like Colorado is just not that all in on, on football, right? It's just the, the commitment is not all there. UCLA, they kind of are, but not the way that, that some other other schools are. And so from a recruiting standpoint, I think that would be really advantageous. You know, if, if you want to dominate the PAC 12, you have to dominate the PAC 12 North first. And if you're getting the best players in the region, then you're siphoning players away from other coaching staffs who are going to be contributors on your team rather than, than your opponent in the future. So I, I, I think that's you know a really good sign. Cause remember Davey Uley, four-star offensive lineman of the ducks got on national signing day. He's from the state of Washington too. They want to come down to Oregon, not be up there in Washington with the Huskies. And that is good, good news for, for the duck fans. And, you know what? The, the other thing about the state of Washington, I mentioned. You know the the sorts of high caliber players that are coming out of there. Jaden Wayne named to follow for the class of twenty twenty three, five star defensive end. I think he's a little bit thinner, maybe a little bit more agile than Thibodeau, but he's got some big time offers, and he's going to be a big time recruit to watch in you know the, the the coming year, right until the next recruiting cycle. Maybe it'll be the early signing period. Who, who knows? Um, last thing here on Josh Connolly why it's so big, and then we'll get to Oregon basketball. Is this is another another recruiting battle win, not just against big schools, but against one big school in particular, and that's USC, who just got Lincoln Riley, right? So Dan Lanning, who is not as big of a name, who is not as much of, of a household name in college football, did not get the sort of national media attention that Lincoln Riley did going to USC. He's now gone toe-to-toe with him, uh, for high school recruits twice and one. Jaleel Florence? And now Josh Connerly, that's a really good start because they're, these battles are going to persist, right? USC, Oregon, they're going to be going after top talent in the state of California for years and years to come. However many years, you know, Dan Lanning and, and Lincoln Riley are both at Oregon and USC respectively. That's just a reality of the situation. And if Oregon wants to contend and continue to be the premier team in the Pac-12, they will have to win these sorts of battles. And so it's a good sign that, that they're doing just that. Lots of basketball news to, to get to or more some uh, predictions, I will say. And I'll get to that right after this. If you're watching on YouTube, that's just for podcasts. I had to go to break in just the way that, that it works. But we appreciate all, all of our sponsors out there here at the Lockdown Network. So before we get to men's basketball, um, as I record this, the WNBA draft was today. The New York Liberty selected Nyara Saboli, the post player out of Oregon. A lot of you may know her. Um, you you may also be thinking, wait a minute, the Liberty. Isn't there another duck who plays on the Liberty? I feel like there is oh yeah that's right sabrina ionescu yeah so that that's pretty cool so uh I, i'm not sure how many of you follow that closely but i thought that was a pretty cool note that naira sabli and sabrina ionescu are now on the same professional team but let's switch over to the men here in dana altman squad so we know Davion Harmon's coming back. We know Jacob Young is out of eligibility. We know Eric Williams is going to play professionally, whether that's in the NBA. I imagine he plays somewhere overseas, but he's certainly good enough to to do that. Maybe in the G League. Maybe. I think that might be a bit of a stretch for him, but he's certainly good enough to play, play professionally in Europe or, or Australia somewhere. So as of right now, we know for a fact that Davion Harmon is coming back. We know Kepnong is leaving the program, Williams is leaving, Young is leaving, but that leaves some other guys sort of up in the air. So Harmon actually has two years left if he wants them. I don't know if he would use them. Maybe he wants to try and go pro. I don't think he projects that well in the NBA, but again, could play professionally somewhere if that's what he wants to do. This upcoming season will be his fourth year of college basketball and second with the Ducks. So we know that he's going to be there. Jacob Young, he's out of eligibility. Uh, and Folly Dante has up to two years left if he wants. Now, he's got an NBA-ready body right now. I think he has to show that he can hold up physically because he's had so many injuries. And when he is good, he's a high-impact big for the Ducks, and I like him a lot. But I think he has to show NBA teams that he can stay healthy for an extended period of time because he's struggled with that during during his tenure with the Ducks. But he's got two years left if he wants them. Uh, the other thing with him is, is his offense is nowhere near being ready for for the pro game. That's what I thought about Jordan bell when he went pro I was like the defense is there. The the playmaking on offense is there, you know, passing and setting screens and all that sort of stuff. But the one-on-one offensive game, the jump shot not consistent enough. And I think that's why he hasn't found a consistent role as a start in the NBA did for a little bit as a role player. Uh, you know, he was probably always going to be a role player, I suppose, off the bench, but he, he had a nice little stint with the Warriors, got a championship ring, but ha- has bounced around the G League. And now I think – last I heard, I believe, he's with the Chicago Bulls. Don't quote me on that. It, it could be wrong. But Dante, the same sort of thing. Like his offense is just not there. He can't shoot the ball yet. His post touches are – you know, they're, they're good. They have flashes where they, they're um, – you know, where he looks confident enough and, and skilled enough to make those sorts of plays. But I, I think he can still develop a lot in that sense. He hasn't announced whether he's going to go. I I would expect him to stay. Quincy Garrier could also have two years left. I would love if he played two more years with the Ducks. I would absolutely love it. Not just because an experienced guy who was third-team All-ACC when he was at Syracuse, but he came on really strong at the end of the year. He can shoot the ball. He's a willing and capable defender. He's got great length. He handles the ball pretty well. He can play a small ball four or, you know, I think he's great at the three. And he's just got a really nice, well-rounded game. I, I like him a lot. You know, over the last five games of the season, he averaged just under 17 points a game shooting at 40% from distance. I don't think he'll do that over the course of the year, but that's the sort of caliber player that he is. And so he's got two years left. I, I have heard that he's probably going to come back. Um, I, I'd be surprised if he left as well. I'd be less surprised if this were his final year with the ducks, you know, Dante and, and Gary a both, they could have two years left like Davion Harmon, but for this year, I'd expect them to be there. I know Davion Harmon is Davion Harmon is going to be there, but whether or not he would use both of his years of eligibility, that that seems a little bit less likely. likely. Especially if Garrier you know, takes a jump from what he put up this year to the next season, he's got a, an NBA sort of body, and you know, could maybe find a, a G League contract somewhere. I think he absolutely could. Will Richardson has one year left. And, you know, that, that that's sort of it. Right. Those are the guys that that we're waiting on. You know, there's the um, I, I think Johnson transferred. I forgot his first name, but Nate Biddle is coming back to the program as far as I know. And then Dior Johnson, Keller, class class 2022 five stars coming in and there's a, a, a Juco thing is it might be a couple Juco guys in this class. I have to look specifically. But so so those three guys. And Folly Dante. I, I think we'll be back. Quincy Gary, I expect we'll be back. Will Richardson, I think he's played his last game as a duck. Now, I don't know that for certain. I've, I've heard that, you know, just kind of poking around and listening on the grapevine, all this sort of stuff. I don't have a tremendous source or anything, but the rumor mill as of late is that they're all going to come back. I would be surprised if Will Richardson came back. I think he just, it kind of feels like, it like it, it's mostly a feel thing for me. It it honestly is. It's, it's just a gut feeling I have. When I think about is Will Richardson, Oregon starting point guard next year? I think the answer is no. I would like the answer to be yes. I know he wasn't the most popular player amongst duck fans over the last month of the season, but he was dealing with mono. And I think we forget how much he was carrying us during that great stretch in January and February when Oregon won 10 of 11 or 11 of 12, whatever it was, he was a two time Pac-12 player of the week. And that was not by accident. He had, I think, 35-something. He had an outrageously good game down at UCLA in Los Angeles. So it, it just seems to me that, you know, he's played for Oregon for four years. Maybe he wants to give it a go at at another school, and he sees, you know, it could be kind of a crowded backcourt with Dior Johnson coming in. Maybe he doesn't want to give that a go, or maybe he wants to test the pro waters. You know, I don't think his game is fully ready, but it's certainly... Closer to that level than say, you know, uh, an Eric Williams or an Enfali Dante or uh, a Quincy Guerrier right now, or Davion Harmon. So, I would, I think he will leave, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just not sure. Um, but I, I expect Enfali to be back. I think Quincy will be back, and I doubt Will Richardson will be back. And we will see how those predictions play out over the course of time. And if I end up being wrong. You can slide up right into my DMs and say, hey, Spencer, you were very, very wrong, and I won't be able to say anything else. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.